And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbrough. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog, along with the Big Hawk on draft day. It's the Big Hawk. What's up, everybody? Uh, coming at you. Um, we don't really have a lot to talk about, but what we do have is we've got our, one of our first donations to the pod. Um, the Orphan Barrel uh, Forged Oak, 15-year. Yeah. Um, that means it's 15 years old. Yeah, aged for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty damn good. It's and, real good. Uh, I think I got uh, Joey Powell. Thank you. Dude. Uh, this is unbelievable. I'm going to hit you back with the text. Uh, we got to talk about some other stuff. But thank you. And uh, also, we had a great meeting yesterday for the pod. Uh, shout out to our guy, Pablo, who runs the workshop in, in Durham, a recording studio. He's doing big things, and he's going to help us out with a lot of different things. So thank you. But um, Yeah. Whole lot less likely that uh, Sleep Dog creates a fire in the the lab here in the HQ. Um, yeah, so we're gonna get more into this whiskey uh, as we go. Pretty tasty stuff. We're gonna tell you a little bit more about what we got coming down the pipe because now what I'm super excited about having met Pablo is that you know you should be getting a pretty uh, what do you call it like standard experience as a listener at this point because. Literally, if you follow the show, every time we plug this thing in, God knows what's going to happen. The last episode, I was like, hey, we were with Victor. I was like, don't worry, man. 10 minutes, we're good to go. 45 minutes later, you know, we're still tapping on cords and trying to figure out what goes where. And and this dude, Pablo, is going to save our lives. uh, And we're going to tell you a lot more about him and what he's doing uh, in this and subsequent episodes. But what I just learned, uh, being this is, you know, predominantly a sports podcast, just figured out that the NFL draft is literally going on right now. Uh, Big Hawk was like, hey, man, we could talk about the draft. I was like, yeah, I mean, I knew it was coming, blah, 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 log on, try to get some ideas. It's like Trevor Lawrence has been drafted number one by the Jags. I was like, wait a second, it's on now? Um, Yeah, I was just kind of floored. So we'll probably be keeping up with some of the picks as they come in. Um, Other than that, man, we were also talking about I have no clue what's going on in the NFL draft. You know, I'll give my experience, okay? Draft. Here's the one thing that can happen in any draft, NFL, MLB, NBA, overanalyzation of a player. You know, at the end of the day, you should draft somebody off of their body of work or what they did. Now, you come in and they you ask them all these questions. No one's perfect. No one's going to have what you want. So you have every analyst for every network breaking down every single pick and of course, you're going to get exposed. And uh, it's always funny what comes out. Now, I remember when I went through the NBA draft, uh, I was drafted 13, Indiana Pacers, special night for me. But <laughs> they uh, that year, I had, I had a stress reaction in my shin. And I probably had two MRIs, two x-rays on my shin. And basically what it, you know, I ended up breaking my shin my rookie year. But uh, stress fracture. But I was just like, Hey guys, listen, this is, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, don't you think you're overdoing it? I've, I've already had multiple MRIs, x-rays. I got a bad shin. So what? I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to heal. Yeah. And 
I just feel like there's so there's so much analyzation that goes into these drafts, and you know, guys can. The one thing that is really stuck out to me is you can like the Tom Brady situation who fell. I love that story, him falling way back in the draft, and uh, Russell Wilson. Um, actually, one of my favorite Eminem lyrics is. Russell Wilson falling way back, turned nothing into something. But uh, Eminem, I love that song. I think it's Love the Way You Lied to Me. I don't know what it is. but Oh, Rihanna? Yeah, it's oh, one yeah. of my favorite songs. But I remember um, you you put these draftees, all these guys, through all these different tests. Okay? And at the end of the day, whether those tests translate, like these are like a 40-yard dash. Why is a 40-yard dash significant in football? Does an offensive lineman ever run 40 yards in one play? It seems like a maybe a five-yard. How is 40-yard, where'd they come up with this number? Well, and it's interesting because I think some of them are relevant, right? So, like, if you got a D-end, defensive end, that can run up, I don't know what a defensive end runs, to be honest with you. But say you got a defensive end that, I don't know, can run a 4-6. I mean, that's pretty compelling speed. A guy like Chase Young, Reds, uh, Washington football team uh, defensive end out of out of Ohio State. I mean, those kind of guys can run down a quarterback. And maybe if in your division, uh, you know, I'm I'm a Washington football team fan. The Eagles have Jalen Hurts. He's a mobile quarterback. Um, you know, maybe maybe that metric matters, right? But it is weird. I agree that it's like, you know, cookie cutter. Everybody does the same. Like, why is an offensive lineman running a 40 yard dash? Yeah, I agree. And here's the thing: I ask you. Did you know he was fast, or was it the 40-yard dash that proved that he was fast and had the speed? Yeah, I mean, you probably pretty much tell that this dude can run fast when he's sacking the hell out of, like, every quarterback in college. And so here's my thing also, is you put you put some guy on there. Why don't you just get a track athlete out there and have him run the 40? Does that translate to the football field? And that's, that's like, that is a huge deal. Um, and I feel like not always are the most athletic – uh, gifted guys always turn out to be the best pros. Absolutely, because I think one thing is like it takes it takes a lot of intelligence and a lot of like want to heart dedication and all that stuff that you need to put into an ingredient. Like those are the most important elements. Of course, if you're a draftee and you're looking at things, those things matter. Okay, but we're at the draft. And those things got you here. Now let's see who wants to put that work in, who's willing to make that sacrifice. But uh, it's going to be interesting. And I saw a rumor Aaron Rodgers is fed up with Green Bay. We love drama at SHWW. So will Rodgers leave Green Bay? That's my question. Will he go to Denver? That is a word on the street. I would love to see it. I'm sick of Green Bay. I'm sick of hearing about Green Bay is going to win the – Win the damn Super Bowl every year. Aaron Rodgers is like the GOAT, the best. The, win. Yeah. I mean, I think he has won, in fairness. He's won one. He's won one. I yeah. thought he'd won more than that. But yeah, I mean, dude, he's pretty damn good. I uh yeah, that's obviously uh kind of interesting. I think for the first time the Packers are becoming, you know, uh less formidable on a on an annual basis. Um and maybe that has something to do with it, and and we'll get to to, to that whole situation because there's a lot of interesting sides to that story. But a, a couple other things on the draft, right? Like, um, especially this combine thing, I think it's really interesting because everybody tries to catch lightning in the bottle in NFL draft, right? So, for example, the athletic drills 
show you that a guy like DK Metcalf, a guy like Calvin Johnson, like these guys are just monsters, right? I'm sitting here because there's a, like a famous story that's probably like a fable of Deion Sanders running the 40 in like jeans in like a four. Four two four three. So I come here and I look at. I just Google Dion Sanders forty yard dash. It pulls up three other guys. So Dion ran it four point two seven, which is fast as shit. Bo Jackson ran four one three. That's probably back in the stopwatch days. Somebody somebody hit the the watch a little quick on that one. Randy Moss four two five. That's nuts. But here's the one that's most interesting to me. Jerry Rice probably. Arguably greatest receiver of all time. There have been some good ones since him. Randy Moss, uh, one of them. Jerry Rice ran the 40-yard dash in 4-7-1. I mean, there, there really are, I think, defensive ends, defensive players that run the uh, – not corners are obviously fast. But 4-7-1? Uh, like, seriously? And the guy's the greatest, greatest one there's essentially ever been. I mean, you give me a few months. I, I think I think the big big hawk could could really push four seven one sleep dog. I might be able to ride my bike uh, forty yards in four point seven one seconds. Um, it'd take me four point seven one minutes on foot. But and, and listen, we got the fact checker on here, and she said forty yard dash is good as a standard uh, throughout. Well, well, make them run the mile, Savita. Yeah, I, I mean, good God. Uh, standard what? Standardized test? SAT? What is it? I don't know. Um, I feel like I'm here in high school I mean, again. look, they're going to run the 40-yard dash, going to run out of gas. Might as well see. make them run the mile and see what they're going to do in the fourth quarter. That's what I want to know. And, and I, the, one of my favorite parts about the whole draft combine is the analyzation is you get some huge lineman up there that just has – Body parts flinging everywhere, and they're just putting everything on the line to get a good forty yard oh, yeah. dash, and it means nothing. It and means they nothing. show up with those tight ass <laughs> shirts on, and their belly is like hanging out of the bottom. And these dudes, the gun goes off, and like somebody's like got a, a like a fishing rod with a with a ho ho on the end of it, just like reeling that thing in, trying to get this dude to run faster. And yeah, it's like, what's the point, dude? You're a nose tackle. Like you're gonna run six inches at a time until you meet somebody else that's gonna be in your way. There's like, I mean, there is linemen don't get the respect that they deserve. I mean, you're getting stuck every single play, and. It's just a fight every single snap. And, I mean, it's a, and they get absolutely no recognition. And when they do, it's because they had a they huge fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> they had a false start, a holding, or they fucked it up. I'm going to butcher this fact, but I heard Mike Greenberg say this on ESPN. I really like Mike Greenberg. I really hate that the the, the Mike and Mike show is gone because I, I always thought that show was great. But Mike Greenberg came out, and I, I'll probably misinterpret the stat, but this is the essentials of it, is that – in the NFL draft, 60% of the time when a team drafts an offensive lineman in the first round, that player lives to see a second contract with the same team. 60% of the time. They said that the second best percentage for that situation is a wide receiver at 23%. So it just goes to show, like, and everybody's pissed when your team drafts an offensive lineman. Everybody's pissed. But it's like every time your team drafts an offensive lineman, that's the dude's jersey that you could still own five years after the draft, right? Um, <laughs> you know, as a Washington football team fan, man, dude, we I remember wearing um, my buddy, shout out Brian Bird, used to wear a Champ Bailey jersey. I mean, a Champ Bailey had been with the Broncos for a decade because you couldn't get anyone on our team that would stay there. Everybody, every, every, when you go to a Washington game, 
the most predominant jersey there is Sean Taylor because everybody loves Sean Taylor. Uh, but also, he's the one jersey you know you can buy ain't going anywhere. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. Uh, <laughs> but like nobody else, like you buy it, like you buy a Chase Young jersey, and and there's a good chance that in two months. Somebody in that organization will piss him off, and he's going to demand a trade. And you're a hundred dollar jersey; you might as well just, you know. I think you burn. guys, you guys signed an offensive lineman for an years ago. Albert, Albert Hainsworth, buddy. You guys paid him hundred million dollars. You guys gave him everything you had, and this guy showed up. He he probably had more donuts, <laughs> buddy. I don't know how you show up overweight as an offensive lineman. I think he was a defensive lineman. Regardless, it was a disaster. And uh, I'll never forget laughing about his whole situation. <laughs> but Oh, uh, my God. He negotiated so many guarantees in that contract that he showed up and did not give two shits about anything. And he sucked. I mean, it was like, what a disaster that was. And I see uh, we got Drew James that just popped in. Uh he uh he's my golf partner and uh he's an ace on the golf course so that's why I play with him but he put a sleephawk sign out today uh on Monday oh, when yeah, we played dude, the Carolina awesome. Kids Classic and uh you know the SHWW we love the kids so we're all about that so uh shout out to him as he tunes in And what's his name again? Drew James. Drew, sorry I can't see the screen man it's too far away from me but yeah, he's Drew, so way, here's the deal man tour. I've been washing dishes at the Ronald McDonald house well since covid started like I had to put that on pause but there are these two ladies that wash dishes I'm sorry they cook I wash the dishes they cook meals at the Ronald McDonald house they've been doing it for 15 years they come in and cook cook dinner for everybody in the place every other tuesday Barb and Jean they're like the sweetest ladies in the world. And I got the most respect out of any of the volunteers at Ron McDonald House because I worked my way into their kitchen. But apparently it was enough respect to under, to, to get notification that the uh, uh, golf tournament was going down because I love going to that thing, man. There's always some – some uh, who was at that thing? Uh, it's just local celebrities. It's very exclusive list. <laughs> and so next – I'll have to petition to get, to get you in there next year. But you got to have it under a – Six handicap. Well, I'm no, I'm, I'm joking. Out. I'm not sure. I uh, <laughs> well, I was I there last ask. time, and I wasn't a, uh, much of a celebrity. All I know is uh, I'm joking, yeah. man. I don't know. I, I think I almost won a raffle for a. I did not win a Honda Accord for the 700 yard hole in one that they have set up. I love when they do that. You get a charity tournament, and like hole in one, you win. You know, a uh, a uh, a uh, 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 Kia Scion or whatever the hell they're called. And it's like, but you're 212 yards into the wind, right? Um, no chance. A little sleep dog ain't even – I don't even know. if it, I should be able to at least get a ride in it if I make a par. It, it's always funny when they back the car up because you know they're not going to just – you think you make a hole in one and then you get the car. I'm sure there's some type of tax clause in there. Dude, or you know you how that works? Least- so so what happens is you literally the, – the tournament – because I've actually in a, in a, in a prior life, I, I put on a couple of these tournaments uh, or was like in charge of overseeing how it works. So you literally – there are companies that sell insurance for this. Literally companies that sell insurance that basically tell you that the the pin has to be X yards away. And I'm, I'm sure they have all these diagnostics, these, these measurements to it, right? But basically what happens is, is they sell you insurance. You want to do a 100-yard par three? Like you're going to probably pay a lot. But <laughs> but literally for like what you would perceive to be now, – now remember, this is like a fundraiser, right? So you're, you're selling you know tea times in this thing. 
So literally for like and, – and, and the numbers are off, but they're a lot lower than you think for like an exponential jump in value. So like literally you could probably put like a Corvette out there. You could literally put a Ferrari out there. And I bet the insurance would be like 20 grand. Mm. I don't even know if it's that much. So, but if you think about it, the 20 grand sounds expensive, right? But if you think about it, the likelihood is zero. And then what happens is if you've got a, a, a charity golf tournament and you show up and there's a Ferrari sitting there on the par three, I mean, dude, I'm coming back every single year and just praying to God that my hole in one, if I ever have it, is, uh, is then and there. And then what happens, of course, is like the insurance company pays off the, uh, you know, some, well, some also, dip shit actually makes You put a Ferrari out there, people are going to be like really swinging, dialing it in, and that always works against you on the golf course. You overthink it. But, and they pay more, though, to get in the tournament, which is great. So you raise more money. Yeah. I mean, you're always raising a good cause. But uh, my boy back home, <laughs> Lee Hafford, said he could run a 4-5 flat when he's running from the law. From the law. Lee, I, I hope them days are over, buddy. You are definitely one of my craziest friends. But I tell you, you could not run that now. I've seen you, and you have put on an absorbent amount of weight. I don't know if it's quarantine weight or it's or just – Hainsworth uh, weight? He works at uh, – he actually works at a Mex- Mexican restaurant, really okay. good food. Yeah. But uh, I'm not sure if he's eating – Big health every- nut. I'm not sure he's eating everything they serve. But um, – yeah, he, there's no way you could run a four or five. But also in the NFL, Tim Tebow worked out for the Jags, um, possibly as a, a tight, tight end. Tight end. Wow. What do you think about that? God bless. I mean, look, Tim Tebow is somebody that I dislike greatly and at the same time have a ton of respect for. I mean, you want to talk about earning it. I mean, I thought he was a good quarterback in college, and I don't understand quite why. You know, I'm not one of these NFL guys. Like, I don't, you know, I know a lot of people that know how to, they look at the screen and can tell you when there's a, a nickel, a zone read or some shit. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Um, end zone, that's about it. But, you know, Tebow obviously was like a lefty with like a slow release and all this, all these things that just don't translate to NFL fine. But, um, yeah, I mean, dude, just bag it, bro. Like, get on TV. That's where everybody – I mean, this guy has – he's got like – he's got his hands in everything. And I'm a big Mets fan. Um, well, you know, as big as you can be for somebody that doesn't really care about baseball anymore. But, you know, we cut ties with him. Um you know he's he's a fans guy, right? Like he he's a good he's a good addition from a business perspective. So anytime that buzz is coming around, like you know uh, that Tebow thing. In my opinion, everybody that gets involved with Tebow just sees dollar signs. Like you know we get Tebow, we get the Christian crowd out here, and that uh, might make us a few extra bones this season. He's Dude got has no chance. He's got a huge following. He's got a ton of fandom, and he has a loyal following, by the way. But the one thing I will say about Tebow, I'm not a Tebow fan. Um, well, the thing is, I don't think the NFL has changed from when he came out. Mm-hmm. As you see more runners now, yep, and you see more versatile quarterbacks that can do a little bit of everything. I think if he came out now versus when he did years ago, I think he'd be a higher pick. And I think his NFL uh, – you know, his NFL career would have a lot more optimism before it started. And I think one thing that – I don't think Tebow got the credit he did as a pro because he he played in playoff games. He won a playoff game. 
And he wasn't that bad, but I think his style and the fact that he wasn't just a gunslinger, just kind of traditional frozen ropes right down the middle and didn't like the eye test just wasn't there at the time. I think that hurt him. And I'm, uh, I'm always, I was always curious to see what if he was a tight end? What if he was open to switching up positions? Cause he seems like he's big. Seems like he has some speed. Um, he's not little. I mean, I think what can he catch balls is like the big, the big question. And I think the fact that he was a quarterback, I think he would know a lot of different offensive sets and he would, I think he'd make that transition well, but I'm not sure if, you know, at this point you're getting uh, old banged up and he's got yeah. some age on him. <laughs> this but, dude uh, at this point is I'm on Wikipedia right now and I've got some great stats, but these are some I awful mean, pictures of this guy. I mean, it's an interesting story. I mean, and I respect it uh, for him at his age, you know, still following his he's dreams. He's 33 years old. I mean, okay? that's old. So he's six two. I love how the draft is six two and three quarter inches, which isn't tall tall enough. To Basically, be a tight he's end. probably six one. Yeah, he's probably six one. Probably my size. Three quarter uh, inches. Dude ran a four seven two forty. No chance. Uh, <laughs> I love these. 20-yard shuttle, three-cone drill. Vertical, 38 and a half inches. You know more about vertical than I do. What is his vertical? 38 and a half. That's a pretty good vertical. That's a pretty good fucking vertical. For somebody that's 236 pounds and 6'2", like stocky as that guy is, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's got some hops. 22 on the wonder, like that's high. Um, yeah, I mean, but a tight end, bro? Like, I mean, dude. What's t- his 40? 40? 40s, 472. That's what I was going to say. Tight ends. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice speed. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mean, nowadays these these uh these tight ends are just insane. Like Gronk is like big, like tall. Jimmy Graham, who is who 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 sucks now, but dude, Jimmy Graham was a monster early on. I mean, that dude was like a center on the on the uh hurricanes, right? Like, dude, tight end, I just don't see it. Like if if there were still fullbacks, uh I think I think Tim Tebow might fit that mold, but this is uh Mike Ostot. Yeah, all style. This dude's grasping at straws at this point. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah, I do like this story. Luck. I like him giving it a chance, though. Uh, but I, I don't know when the- your signature play. Remember, he used to do that. They'd get to the goal line, and he'd like catch the snap and like run up to the line like he was going to dive in, and then just jump and, and do the little like jump pass. It was like, dude, if that's your signature. Good luck in the big leagues, buddy. Um, I mean, he had Percy Harvin as a receiver. He had Aaron Hernandez. Obviously, Aaron Hernandez is a shitbag. But, I mean, dude, he was a hell of a player at Florida. Uh, and, you know, he had some weapons out there. And, I mean, they won the national championship. So, well, they won two of them. Uh, he was he was a hell of a player. And that was the funniest thing. So, I have, a, I have a buddy that hopefully someday we can get on this podcast. But I'll never forget. I was in Puerto Rico with, like, my closest friends, like high school friends. And we're just getting wrecked at some like beach bar. And I got a buddy who is a diehard Steelers fan. And Tim Tebow, it was a wild card game, I think. And it was Broncos uh, Steelers. And it was at Denver. I think the game was in overtime. And Tebow threw that slant and the dude got free and scored a touchdown. Broncos beat the Steelers and they move on to the next round. That was, that was the one playoff game they won. And I asked my buddy, I was like, dude, what do you think about that? 
And the next weekend they were playing the Patriots. And this is like this is like prime Tom Brady. And I think maybe Randy Moss was on that team. Um I don't maybe Moss was gone by then. But I was like, well, what do you think about you know, Tebow's chances versus the because uh, it was the whole, you know, kneeling in the end zone thing. Like it was all all the rage. And he was like, buddy, we're going to find out next Sunday with how much God likes football. <laughs> <laughs> and, dude, the next weekend, the, the Patriots just murdered them. And it was like – I thought it was funny. Anyway. Yeah, hey, listen, I don't care who you are, who you are. The Patriots, primetime Tom Brady, odds are against you. I don't care if you've got Joe Montana back there <clears throat> taking snaps. Uh, you're not winning. Hannah's uncle. Hannah Montana. <laughs> um. What was my vertical when I did the draft? I can't. I'm not even sure. There's a there's a way to cheat the whole system. Well, you're already big too. Like so, your vertical is like if you're six nine. I mean, I guess like LeBron probably has a pretty solid vertical at six eight or whatever he is. But I think you'd be surprised. They do different verticals. They do a standing uh-huh. vertical and then they do a running vertical. I think LeBron's running vertical is probably <laughs> high, but standing, I, I'm not sure if it would be like crazy off the charts because they do that two-step like the two-step drop for the standing vertical or is it just straight flat foot or you know just plant you, feet planted yeah, yeah so you do a straight no plant up and down then you do a one step and then you do a running however okay. how many steps you want that's incredible i can't believe they don't have some sort of uh some sort of a statistic now where it's like your launch angle and like the total distance traveled and some stupid statistical shit. Uh, you know, Tim Tebow's middle name is Richard. <laughs> Surprise. Oh, it's not Moses. Old Dick Tebow. Uh, so Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sue. Uh, uh, and anyway, um, what was I going to say about, Oh, so well, last thing about the draft, I can't believe we've, we've rolled into this much stuff about the draft. This is great. Let's see who some of the picks are. Uh, but also dude, let's get, while we first got started, I was like, Tyler has bro draft night, bro. Like, why did you not wear like a fuchsia suit? Like some of these guys do on draft. That's night? not the draft night. Okay. That is uh, that's signing day or something. That's the next day. Okay. So I, oh, yeah, I see you drafted. Down here. All right. I took them. Guys, I was decked out. I had the double Windsor. Bro, you got I that uh, Merrill Hodge suit. Oh yeah. I was like, I should have brought the ice out, but, uh, I did I didn't want to get too cold. Um, what was the, like, that's my thing. Like, so I'm not, we're obviously not watching the draft, but what is the deal with the attire? Like, I mean, as a player, you're in the draft room, I assume, and you got your buddies with some of these guys at this point. Like, <laughs> so, so here's the deal is some people on draft night. So, you know, you're going high. Okay. Like, yep. there's, you have your people who. I I know I'm a high pick. Okay, so nothing really to worry about. Am I going to go five? Am I going to go three? Blake Griffin knew he was going to go one. Yep. Steph Curry was going to fall in there somewhere. James Harden was going to fall in there somewhere. Um, DeMar DeRozan was going to be a top pick. Gosh, these are all guys from your draft class? Yeah. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah, and so I was there. I was was late lottery, and the late lottery pick, so the – Mid to late lottery, those are always the guys that, you know, here comes pick 22. Hansbro still sitting in the green yeah. room, the camera, and everybody's gone and just staring at you. Uh, you just don't want that to happen. God. And, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, happened to Aaron Rodgers. And <laughs> you don't want that to happen because it's, uh, I guess it's an ego blow, especially that young. But uh, I remember sitting there. I had my agent. I had my mom. 
dad, older brother, and uh, Coach Williams was with me. And there was a chance I was going to go to New Jersey. I think they had the 11th pick or something like that. And I had worked out for New Jersey, I think, two days before or the day before. And um, I had a, both workouts. So that was my second workout for New Jersey. I had a great workout to end it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was like, when I left, I was like, man, if they don't draft me, I, I just destroyed that workout. Well, they took Terrence Williams. I Yikes. can't. I can't remember uh, if it was 11, but they took Terrence Williams. And then I think Charlotte might have had the next pick or something. And then they took, I think, Gerald or – I'm not sure where how it panned out. But then I went 13 to Indiana. With the 13th pick in the 2009 NBA draft, the Indiana Pacers select Tyler Hansbrough from the University of North Carolina. And I remember before the pick, I looked at Coach Williams. I was like, this could be it. And uh, he's like, I think it's going to be Indiana. And my agent looked at Coach and me and said, it's not going to be Indiana. I don't think it's going to happen. And sure enough, they called my name. And I was, I was, I was super excited, went up there, hugged my whole family, and uh, talked to uh, Larry Bird right after and made plans to get out there the next day. And and sign everything and, you know, join the team. I was super excited. So that, that was like kind of my whole process. But as far as having the nice suit and all that stuff, your agent kind of sets all that up. I mean, looking at me, my agent probably put minimal effort to that based <laughs> off of what I was wearing. You normal, which yeah. I think is probably a good thing. I mean, dude, I, uh, this, is, this is draft class I'm going through and we'll get more. I want to get a couple more in on the, uh, outfits but this draft class is crazy dude i remember hashim the beat he was this number two pick boy that did not work out well but he was a big <laughs> deal james harden went number three uh johnny Ste- johnny flynn johnny did he go flynn four? from syracuse went six tyreek evans had a had a solid career but fourth pick yeah that's solid that's uh, a little high ricky rubio five Johnny Flynn was a great player at Syracuse did not a great player in the NBA Steph Curry at seven just all timer Jordan Hill, DeMar DeRozan, and Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings was a great player. Then you got Williams, like you said. Henderson went right before you to Charlotte, Hansborough. I didn't realize that. Uh, let's see who we got left. Drew Holiday was 17. Ty Lawson went to Minnesota. I didn't realize that. Taj Gibson, he was uh, 15, I think. Taj Gibson was 26. You remember the night well, I can tell. Uh, Jeff T. He went to the Bulls. Who went 15 to the Bulls? 15 to the Bulls. Uh, Austin Day went 15 to, to Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. All right. Um, let's see. And our boy, Make It Wayne, 28 to Minnesota. So Minnesota picked up Ty Lawson and Wayne Ellington. Any second rounders in that? Um, wow. Dewan Blair and Sam Young. I remember those two guys. Derek Brown, Jody Meeks. Uh, Danny Green, 46 to Cleveland. What a steal. He was probably the best player in the second Wow. Second round yeah, for sure. Easily. Patty Mills, uh St. Mary's didn't realize that. Anyway, uh, you know, so 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 the best part about it all. And and honestly, I think these kids are wising up a little bit cuz I was I was trolling through Barstool uh cuz they were going through, you know, what what these people are wearing. And these days like, yeah, they might have like some Nike's on with their suit or whatever, but it is far less like just 
out there. Like, I mean, remember when LeBron got drafted with that baggy ass white suit, which of course styles change, but it always trips it trips me out to see what what's going through some of these kids' mind when they show up to draft night, just look like idiots. And I have some advice for some uh, anybody listening. If you buy clothes and you don't want to wear them because you think they're nice, wear them because in about six seven years. It's going to be so out of style, you're going to laugh at it and you're just going to throw it out. Yeah, I mean, it's Fashion Tips 101. That's, that's what you get here at Sleephawk Worldwide. Uh, NFL Draft, I'm looking at – it's funny. I'm looking at the picks as they come in here. And, uh, you know, I know who Trevor Lawrence is. Obviously, that's the last guy I recognize. Some dude – there's a picture on ESPN right now. 49ers shake things up with Trey Lance pick at number three. This dude's got on a <laughs> – looks like a high school player. Oh, my God. <laughs> it just says um, Bison on the front of it. <laughs> Uh, Fact Checker is a huge 49ers fan, oh, so boy. I couldn't be more yeah. thrilled. Who is this guy? This guy looks like he plays at the Southwest Tupelo, Mississippi Pine Tree Academy High School. Uh, his name is is Trey Lance. His shirt says Bison, which does very little for me to understand where exactly that is. Um, My neighbor uh, in Popper Bluff raised Bison. And it's okay. a bison farm. Okay. Uh, Pepper. So This guy might be working for yeah, him so here he might soon. be uh, – they got him. And uh, Trey Lance, interesting. What, what position does he play? What a pick. I guess he's a quarterback because he looks like he's throwing the ball. NDSU. That must be North Dakota State University. I mean, just a powerhouse. It looks like he's throwing a Hail Mary. Yeah, it looks like they're down big <laughs> in the picture they got. Hey, well, great job, 49ers, picking somebody uh, that nobody had on any nice board. One. You got Jimmy uh, Garoppolo, too. Hey, like, what yeah, do you got I going mean, on over good there? God, who's evaluating the quarterbacks wow. over there? All right. Can't wait till this guy <laughs> becomes the Super Bowl MVP. And we like, it is. But by then, you'll never see this. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's what's going on with the NFL draft. Uh, it seems like we've been on here for an hour and there are six picks in. Uh, old Washington football team, they're destined to pick an offensive lineman. Um, and destined to pick a bad one, no matter what they do. Uh, let's see. Yeah, and, and one of the other things was, you know, we were talking before, UNC just had their spring game for all the Tar Heel fans out there. Again, paid zero attention to that. What is the point of a spring game? It said white team won, or white team or blue team beat the white team or blue team, whichever won, whichever lost, 14-12. All I care about is Sam Howell winning a Heisman Trophy. Uh, they're hitting us up about season tickets like crazy. And I'm like, man, let me just figure out if I can actually go to the game and uh, count me in. Uh, I don't I, know, sleep. You know, here's the thing is we like Carolina Lord Carolina and to have a few drinks. And you know, we're not sure that walking a mile to the stadium and just getting drilled by the sun. And uh, I think we might have a better time just this, sitting down and relaxing God. and having some claws. Sleephawk Nation, this is a true story. So the first time I ever bought season tickets, this is an alum, two-time alum. Uh, is in 19, Mac Brown's first year. And, I mean, the team is electric. And if, you've, if you're if you a UNC fan, you know it. If you're not a UNC fan, here's what the past 20 years have been. Even when we had good teams, like pretty good teams, you show up at the game, and, I mean, halftime before the place is even remotely full of people. Mac Brown shows up, and they start selling alcohol. Same year, okay? <laughs> you show up at the game. And I'm telling you, there ain't an empty seat in that place, and the environment is electric. I mean, we're playing 3.30 games on a bad day. We're playing. We had like 10 night games. I think we had eight home games all season, and 10 of them were at night. And anyway, so I buy season tickets first time. Dude, every game is a great game. We lose a few, fine. I think we wound up finishing like 7-5 and five or something in regular season. I, I can't remember. But, you know, every game was like super hyped up. I went to two. 
to two because the big hawk, you know, you know, he, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, guy goes to a football game like he can't, you know, everybody wants to picture this sort of stuff. And then we got uh, uh, uh oh, oh, uh, what's oh, Cam? His, what's yeah, Cam? Yeah, that's he's his the one. Name. He's is he on hold? Is he over there? Is he? Yeah, we we we'll got get him. To you, he's, buddy. Yeah, Just he's hanging in there, he's, man. He's but into the draft. Most patient man in America. Uh, probably boycotted the draft. Anyway, he boycotted. He won't go to the game. So sleep dog got four tickets, four season tickets, and they're great seats. And I went to two games, and I'll never forget the Clemson game. I'm like, this is the one I'm going to go to, right? It's the Clemson game. It is 30 seconds before kickoff, and we are just belted on the lawn at Carolina Inn off White Claws. Some dudes there scalping tickets, and I was like, listen, man, give me 10 bucks. You have all four of them, and they're great seats. The Clemson game. These tickets are selling like 200 bucks a piece at the time. And I'm just like, dude, I ain't gonna make it. And I just, my pride or whatever was going on in my brain, I just couldn't give them to him. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna just hand them to you. I was like, at least buy me a white claw. I'm gonna give you these tickets. And so 10 bucks, that dude probably turned around and made them 100 bucks off of them. Well, you got a claw out of it. Yeah, I did get a claw out of it. And, Whew. you know, I met my girlfriend the night me and Sleep were going claw for claw. Whew. And, uh, Hmm. Shows you the judgment I had that night. But right. we, um, uh, yeah, we can get after it uh, on Saturday. Anybody, it's an underrated school. Like tailgating isn't really the UNC thing, but getting blitzed is. Like, I mean, with class, of course. I mean, you see some dude and he's got on a, a, a solid gold Rolex and some Ferragamos with no socks on. God knows what inside them things smell like. Shorts up to his damn. <laughs> right up under his ass and then some sort of uh, sweater around his neck and just, I mean, looks like an idiot, absolutely hammered every Saturday. Uh, so it is underrated for the the quality of life on a Saturday, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's opinion. a great place. And you see a lot of interesting things, nice little warm-up for the game. But, uh, yeah, I don't know the point of the spring game, though. Mm. I mean, you know, we got a team. Let's let's get out there and see if they play each other. I mean, it's like a glorified practice, but, you know, it's about four months from a game. I don't yeah. know if, like, that's what you want to be doing. <laughs> Maybe get in shape, then have a game. Yeah, but, I was like, uh, they put a caption on there that said something about see in four months. It's like, man, how, is, uh, are we going to remember this even happened in four months? Um, yeah, so anyway – and it's weird too. They like go out there in shorts and shit, and they like run half-ass plays, which makes sense because you know protect Sam Howell at all costs. That guy's gonna win the Heisman Trophy this year. You heard it here first. He's probably gonna win it next year too because um, he's only a sophomore. Uh, so yeah, who gives a shit? Uh, opening back up, we 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 jot a few notes down here. Um, big things happening in terms of COVID. You guys, uh, oh, we're gonna be. Raleigh here where old uh, Sleep Dog keeps the headquarters. That's going to open up June 1st. New York City, July 1st. I mean, we're going to go bananas when this stuff comes off. Me and the big dog, we're both uh, double vaxxed, ready to rock. I hope you are too. Yeah, double shot. It was exciting. And I'm full. Like, that thing is marinated. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's kicked in. I'm excited about it. I'm over with it. And... uh, Waking up every morning, cotton mouth, can't keep, can't stay hydrated. <laughs> anyway, the other piece we were going to talk about is this Jake Paul thing. Like, this seems to be the new thing, the triller or thriller or trailer or <laughs> whatever it's called. But now this dude's going to fight Floyd Mayweather. Okay. Floyd Mayweather has never lost a fight. Like Floyd Mayweather or hate Floyd Mayweather, I'm like a bit undecided, but more in the latter. Um, this dude knows. 
when to take advantage of an opportunity to make money. And this is a huge opportunity to make money. But if this dude loses to Jake Paul, this it's social low, media. For, I'm sorry, we got corrected. Logan Paul, apparently. Oh, yeah. All right. All right Whichever. Yeah, so yeah. his twin brother? Cliff Paul. Uh, so <laughs> it's like, dude, Mayweather, you got to be making a lot of money. I feel like if you're Floyd Mayweather, you probably have your people and old, what's his name? Tyler Paul? Jake Logan Paul. If you're Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather's people, there's probably a discussion taking place that says, listen, if you beat Floyd Mayweather, your damn payday gets cut by 90%. Because there is no way. Like, imagine if this dude just even got lucky and just, just caught him with an upper. I mean, Floyd Mayweather's 50 years old. Like, what if he hits him, knocks him out, and this dude that's never lost a fight loses to this guy? I mean, I I, it's an exhibition. I'm not sure if like that would technically count against his record, but the thing is, but if you saw him get knocked the fuck out, would you be like, "Damn, dude, you just lost an Instagram influencer"? So I, I I looked at the odds, and there's a chance I might be betting on uh, Logan Paul. Okay, and the reason is because I think the odds are like 900, like against him. So if I bet a dollar, what do I get? I'm I'm not sure what the odds are. Nine. But, yeah, so I'm, I might put a hundo on on Logan Paul mm-hmm. and get nine hundo. Ooh. But um, Mayweather's forty four years old, not fifty. But he might as well be fifty. He's one hundred and fifty pounds. He's he's a, he's a mis- I mean he's five. Eight. He's light. He's a little bitty dude. And he uh, runs a forty in. Bobby Fraser just tuned in. Big shout out to you, um, Ring Bob. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking forward to playing some golf with you. Hopefully, you've tuned up your putter a little bit and. Uh, Looking forward to that. But uh, Mayweather, I, I think he's too technical, and I think he's too good. And, uh, you know, he's not going to get him on points, period, uh, Logan Paul. But it would be great to see May- Mayweather get knocked out. I mean, I like Mayweather, but it would be crazy. It would be a crazy story for somebody that just pulled up off of Instagram or social media and just knocked out one of the greatest fighters of all time. What a time to be alive. You literally have one of the greatest – boxers of all time of all time that is in like a legitimate fight with some dude that literally got famous posting stupid ass videos on instagram and like the dude that i don't know what i don't know what the tail of the tape is here but i feel like logan paul is decidedly larger than this dude um let's see here we're gonna we're gonna find that out logan paul weight and height I mean, Jake, Floyd Mayweather is 5'8", 150. I mean, Jake Paul's not little. Logan Paul is 6'2", 200 pounds. That's a big deal in boxing. Dude's got six inches and 50 pounds on this guy. Like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you hit him once, you get lucky, and he's like got his, you know, his glove is an inch out of line. I mean, that's what the other crazy thing is. This fight's happening June 6th. It's a month from now. This isn't like June 6, 2022, and we're going to get ready for it. This is like, hey, I'll see you next week, motherfucker. Like, they are going to fight real soon, and you better hope your boy Floyd is ready because, I don't know, man, he might catch one, and and it's all over then. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be pay-per-view, but. It, of it, course it will. It'll be the most expensive fight you've ever seen. It'll be crazy. I, I, I'll tune in. 25. I'm, this dude's 25, and he's a YouTube personality. 
and he's going to fight Floyd Mayweather's 45 and half his size. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What else do we got coming in from uh, from the Graham or anything? So the, the Forged Oak uh, Orphan Barrel. I mean, 15-year. Joey? Yeah, Joey Powell. My Thank man you. Joey, dude. This stuff is great. I'm a big Blanton's guy. This is sort of like, which I guess probably everybody says that now. Um, you know, I think Blanton's is a 90 proof. This is 90 and a half. So it's not, you know, overdone, very flavorful, uh, sort of oaky, as you might imagine, since the shit's called forest oak. My biggest, uh, you know, thing about it is it's like got like a lion on the barrel with antlers. I mean, whoever thought of that? Uh, yeah, we don't have any more questions, but I will say this is a very, to me, in sleep, I mean, sleep loves the Blantons. Mm. Like, I think that's his number Love one. It. And uh, he's been on Blantons before this whole whiskey craze. It was an accident, but that is true. And um, the Forged Oak 15-year, to me, it's a smooth whiskey, but it's not smooth. Like, it, I guess because it's 15 years, it's really to- taken over the barrel. And you get like a, to me, I get a ton of flavor. Um, let me see. It's yeah. strong on the finish too, man. It tastes stronger than a 90 proof in my opinion. Yeah. So for me, when I t- hit it on the nose, yeah, I get a little vanilla, butterscotch, a mm-hmm. um, little spice and a little earth tones a little bit, but let me take a little sip. I get a lot of wood spice. Mm-hmm. Um, and a great after finish, like a lot yeah. of flavor, and it kind of hits you. It's it's yeah, it's, going down. It's like wow, this is strong. I literally the first thing I asked when I hit it the first time was like, how strong is this? Yeah, um, it's it's complex and robust, yeah. robust at the same time. And I I'm yeah, this is this is my first time trying it. Extremely good. I'm a big fan. I'm yeah. a big fan. And if you're a big fan of Sleep Hawk Worldwide. You know how to get us on your side, which is to send us liquor. Um, we got plenty, but <laughs> yeah, we're reviewing. Never it. had that. Never yeah. seen it. Never had it. Uh, well, I've seen it, but never seen it in a store. So, Joey, man, this is uh, huge. The big shout out, dude. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, thank you. And also, if you do give us donate uh, a bottle of whiskey uh, or just you know a little sample, whatever, of one of your favorite whiskeys, and you want our opinion on it. We're going to be dead honest. If we oh, do, yeah. if we do not like it, we will tell you. Do not send us something if you're married to it and you don't only want to hear good things, because uh, there's a chance we might not like it. But we do love whiskey and we like the nuances, so we'll pick it apart and let you know what we think. And again, we have one of the best personal whiskey collections, I would say, uh, maybe in North Carolina. Yeah, and we've got um, you know palettes to prove it. <laughs> um, that's a joke. Sometimes you guys gotta gotta realize that this is you know half bullshit, eight eight quarters bullshit, uh, which is one hundred percent or two hundred percent for you guys counting out there. But uh, the other thing that we've got going on here, uh, eventually when the uh stuff opens back up, so we're looking at probably going to do a pod at some point at this local spot, Whiskey Kitchen, anybody here local to Raleigh. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, You know, we want to really get into, we talk a lot about the whiskey stuff, getting into it. One of the biggest challenges we've had in the past is, you know, we we do a lot of recording in the daytime. And uh, old sleep dog, Big Hawk, we like to put put them back every now and then, but Mm -hmm. uh, not during, not at lunch. So uh, not yet anyway. So we're getting there. Uh, Got a lot of cool stuff planned. Uh, Again, 
we're going to toss this thing over. Like, I'm already, like, thanking Pablo in advance. Because as soon as we shut this thing off, I don't know what we got here. It looks like it's it's recording. So we're going to fire that off to Pablo. And when you guys listen to this episode of Sleep Hawk Worldwide, you're going to know that Pablo Vega at the workshop is a mastermind. And we're going to do big things with him. We appreciate his help. Uh, I... I more than anyone, uh, and you know we got just some 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 exciting things we're gonna roll out here soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Anything else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.